Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, many of you have been reaching out because you've heard my voice, and it doesn't sound totally normal. I have been sick and unfortunately got hit with a double whammy, a serious cold, and now COVID. Uh, So far, though, I have been, you know, what you would expect, not feeling great. Uh, I am very thankful for uh, the ability to to have gotten the vaccine, um, because as many of you know, my father last year went into the hospital and was on oxygen for months on and afterwards. I had his DNA and made that decision because I was making a medical decision, not a political decision, uh, based on his DNA, based on what happened to him, based on how close he was to almost dying, based on the amount of time he was in the hospital and being on oxygen for months on end. And I was at high risk because I have asthma. And uh, I, I just I feel very thankful for those that have given me advice um, in the medical community, uh, as I've been uh, dealing with this, it's it's just everybody's having to deal with it. The reality is I feel very blessed that I was able to make it basically two years until now uh, and, and getting it now. So if I do sound a little fatigued over the next several days, that's why. Uh, and if I do sound like it takes me a minute to maybe get a form of thought or to get on 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 track, I wanted you to know why. Uh, the, the fatigue issue of this is, is uh, the, I would say, the number one thing. I've heard COVID brain. I understand it now. So I just want to say that the, at the beginning for many of you that have been reaching out on social media. Thank you for checking on us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my, it, it's, uh, it, I'm just glad that uh, so far it has not been uh, unbearable uh, or that I've had to go to the hospital or anything like that. So, again, thoughts and prayers. Uh, from all you guys that have been sending those wishes, thank you, and just want to let you know about that. All right, we have got a lot to talk about, and uh, there is a real possibility of a war breaking out between the United States, our allies, and Russia. It has not been talked about very much, and it's a little bit frustrating when you see just how close we could be because of the incompetence, I would argue, of this administration. This became a major topic um, of conversation over the last 24 hours because satellite imagery and intel is showing that Russia seems to be uh, very much moving towards invading Ukraine. This after the president screwed up this issue by saying, you know, a minor incursion into Russia uh, maybe wouldn't be that bad, but don't make it major. And then the White House had to step that, you know, walk that back. 
And then the president had to come out and read a statement because he can't put together coherent sentences uh, on anything, much less foreign policy, because when he did it as press conference, his one year press conference, it was a it was a total disaster. If you were Ukraine and you were watching that, literally you had the president of the United States of America say it was okay to invade just a little bit into Ukraine. Now, the White House was in damage control for days on end, and there were some that were taking political shots at the White House for this. I want to make this clear. I, I have said this, and I said this consistently since Bill Clinton was president. I never want the president of the United States of America to be failing when it comes to national security issues and foreign policy issues that deal with national security. I am rooting for Joe Biden to keep us and our allies safe. Because when there are screw-ups, Americans die and innocent people die. I was rooting for Joe Biden to be successful at getting us out of Afghanistan in an appropriate manner. I was rooting for him to right his wrongs and correct his mistakes early on. It's easy to pile on, but when you're piling on on an issue like that, it's very different than a domestic policy issue. When people are, are rooting for the failure of an individual, and that means when they fail that people die, you got to think about their motives. You have to think about their mindset. I never root for a president to screw up on national security issues, whether it's Obama or Biden or Jimmy Carter. I remember the first real foreign policy issue that I really knew something about, and that was studying what happened in Iran with the Iran hostage crisis. And there were people even during that time that were playing politics with it, looking forward to the screw-up of Jimmy Carter and knowing that it would make him very weak going into an election against the Republican candidate, which happened to be, at that point, Ronald Reagan after the primary. I would never wish that on anybody because those are real human beings that were being held hostage. I had the pleasure of getting to know, off the record, one of the hostages that was held in Iran. When I was living in Washington, D.C. back in 2004, 5, 6, 7, one of those individuals I got to meet, we became friends. And to hear their stories of that amount of time that those, and they were held for longer than a year. If you go back and you look at that story, that crisis and seeing how long that took, it was from November of, of 79 until January of, of 81 until they were freed. Now, I was born after the Iran hostage crisis ended. But it was the first foreign policy issue I remember studying. And the individual, the diplomat, that was held hostage after the Iranians took control of our U.S. embassy in Tehran and seized those hostages and the way they were treated, what you realize is when you're talking about these issues, whether it's Ukraine or this issue, is that there are real human beings involved. When I see what happened in Afghanistan, I warned you that this was going to embolden 
anybody in the world that wants to do something that they know they traditionally can't get away with to do it. It was going to embolden them. It was very clear that there were going to be consequences after what we did in Afghanistan with our exit. Not only did American troops die in Afghanistan with the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan, but other leaders in the world witnessed something that I think most of them thought they would never, ever see, which is actual American citizens begging to get onto a tarmac where the American military was and us not going to get them. They witnessed us leaving Americans behind. They witnessed us leaving our allies behind. They witnessed us leaving interpreters behind and people behind to be killed and to be beheaded and to be tortured, to be raped, to be beaten, to be held hostage in a country where they helped us. And world leaders immediately at that point said, aha, opportunity. Didn't take long, by the way. It took several months for Russia to seize on that opportunity. Actually, it took days. They started getting things ready for an incursion. Then they started putting soldiers on the border. Then they started putting weaponry on the border. And all the time, every time they did something, every time they moved a little bit further and pushed the envelope, we did nothing. So now we find ourselves... At a new point, a point where it looks like Russia can do whatever they want to do and we will not stop them. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Russia, they understand weakness. They understand opportunity in weakness. If there's anything that you can see through history with Russia, it is they are opportunists. Don't hate Russia for a minute. Take the hatred or anger away just for a moment and look at Russia as a country. Russia is a country that has always been a country of opportunity. They seize on other people's misfortunes. They seize on other people's weaknesses. That is what they have done. That's what they have done as long as they've been a nation. As a communist country, they don't care if people suffer. They have never cared if people suffer, including their own people. They were even known from blocking people from going into certain parts of Russia to see how the people in Russia were living. 
when things got really bad in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. Even before that, but they would only allow people to see what they wanted them to see. They would track you. They would make sure you couldn't see certain areas of the countries, of their country, I should say. And what Russia understands is they need Ukraine. You go back to Crimea, and it was an opportunity. You look at Crimea and this war that broke out. Really wasn't much of a war because we didn't help stop Russia from annexing, as they called it, Crimea. Why did uh, Crimea get annexed in 2014? Same reason. Because you had a weak president. You go back to February and March of 2014. Russia invaded Ukraine. They invaded knowing they couldn't take the whole country without consequences, but they knew they could take part, an important part, of Ukraine when they went in and claimed they were annexing the Crimea Peninsula. Why did they take it? Because it was extremely important for shipping. This peninsula was very important to them for from a domestic product and shipping standpoint. We didn't stop them. The president of Russia at the time, same guy that's still now in charge, the dictator, Vladimir Putin, the KGB guy who should be trusted by no one in the world, convened an all-night meeting with security chiefs to discuss the extraction of the deposed Ukrainian president. At the end of the meeting, Putin remarked that we must start working on returning, as he put it, Crimea to the Ukraine, Ukraine, or excuse me, to Russia. Putin wanted it. On February the 23rd, pro-Russian demonstrations were held in Crimea City all orchestrated as propaganda by Russia. They acted like people in Crimea wanted Russia to annex them so it wouldn't look like they were actually invading or taking over. They were just listening to the people. This was all propaganda so that they could justify their actions to the world. And we all knew this. They had these demonstrations on the 23rd. On February the 27th, Massed Russian troops without insignia, meaning they acted like they weren't a part of the Russian government, the Russian military, and they were, took over the Supreme Council, the Parliament of Crimea. They captured strategic sites across Crimea, which led to the installation of the pro-Russian government in Crimea. The conducting of the Crimean status referendum, they called it, to make it look like this was all totally above board, totally happening. And and many in the media, by the way, did not tell the real story at the time of what was really happening. This was all PRBS, and we knew it, but we didn't stop them. So they had this Crimean status referendum. Then they had the declaration that the people in Crimea were declaring independence on March the 16th of 2014. And again, we did nothing. We knew that this was total crap. We knew that this was an invasion. We knew that the uh, Russian troops without insignia were Russian troops. We could see them coming across the border. We knew that this was a hostile takeover, a part of Ukraine. And we did nothing. 
Joe Biden at the time was the vice president. Barack Obama was the president. Barack Obama was a we don't want to be a war guy, right? And what they realized was they could pull this off and the world really wasn't going to respond. Then, as the Supreme Council Parliament of Crimea was formed, they captured these strategic sites. They installed a pro-Russian guy to be in charge of the government in Crimea. They had the Crimean status referendum checking all the boxes and a declaration of Crimea's independence on March the 16th. Russian formally incorporated Crimea into as two Russian federal subjects, the Republic of Crimea and the Federal City on March the 18th. All this pre-planned. None of this was organic. Following the annexation, Ruska, Russia escalated their military presence on the peninsula and leveraged the nuclear threats to solidify the new status quo on the ground. They did all of this and we didn't stop them. Ukraine and many other countries condemned the annexation but really didn't do much more. It was considered to be a violation of international law, but we didn't do anything to stop them. Russia signed agreement safeguarding the territorial integrity of Ukraine, saying we're not doing anything else. We were just here because they wanted us here. We were only in Crimea because they asked us to come. They were having these, these protests. They were begging us to come back. So we did. Again, the world did nothing. They agreed to everything. They agreed to 91 accords that established the Commonwealth of Independent States. The 1975 Helsinki Accords, the 1994 Budapest Memorandum on Security Assurances, and the 1997 Treaty of, on Friendship, Cooperation, and Partnership between Russia and the Russian Federation in Ukraine. Everything's fine. Just don't worry about it. What did they do? They slapped him on the wrist. I'm referring to America and the rest of the world. It was a joke. Members of the then G8 suspended Russia from the group. They didn't care. They introduced the first round of sanctions against the country. Didn't matter. The UN General Assembly also rejected the referendum and annexation, adopting a resolution affirming the territorial integrity of Ukraine within its internationally recognized borders. The U.N. resolution also underscored, they said at the time, the referendum having no validity cannot form the basis of any alternation of status of Crimea and called upon all states and international organizations not to recognize or to imply the recognition of Russia's annexation. Did it matter? No, because it happened and they were now in charge. Fast forward to 2016, the U.N. General Assembly reaffirmed non-recognition of the annexation and condemnation. They called the temporary occupation of part of the territory of Ukraine. They call it the Autonomous Republic of Crimea and the city there. The Russian government, by the way, also, quote, opposed the annexation label, with Putin defending the referendum as complying with the principles of self-determination of the people of Crimea. Again, we did nothing. So you fast forward to Afghanistan, you fast forward to what's happened now, in Afghanistan, and Vladimir Putin goes, wow, I see an opportunity. I really want Crimea. More than just Crimea, I want Ukraine. Now, you got to understand that Russia genuinely believes, okay, you need to understand this. Russia genuinely believes that, that Ukraine is theirs for the taking. Putin genuinely believes that Russia 
should be able to take all of Ukraine, or at least whatever the hell they want. And there's only one country that can stop them. That country is the United States of America. And what they realized after Afghanistan is we're not going to stop them. We're not going to go to war with them, more than likely, and we're certainly not going to do more than basic sanctions. So now here we are. We're at a moment where it looks like Russia can do anything they want to do. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So the question is, well, there's two things here. Let me, let me rephrase this. Number one, Russia can do whatever they want to do when it comes to Ukraine. So what happens moving forward? The reality is America is so far behind protecting Ukraine at this point. It's not even funny. And the people in Ukraine are at the mercy of whatever Russia decides to do. So let me tell you about what's actually happening on the ground. Now, this is what should have been being talked, should have been talked about for days on end in this country, in our media. They have not done their job because they don't want to make Donald or they don't want to make, I should say, Joe Biden look bad. They don't want to highlight the incompetency of the foreign policy of Joe Biden because his approval rating is already so bad and people saw just how weak of a leader he was in Afghanistan against the Taliban, which we had owned for 20 years. We left Americans behind. We left people that helped Americans survive and save lives, the translators and others behind. And we just let the Taliban push us around a Taliban that we could have taken out with air superiority and drones in two seconds to send a message. Don't screw with us when we were at that airport. And when they were starting to surround that airport, we could have stopped it. We could have fixed it. We could have shown them that you don't screw with us, but we didn't because we have Joe Biden an incompetent president. And I, I think it's very clear now his mental capacity has has declined to the point where he really doesn't know how to handle any of these issues. And that worries me, not from a political standpoint, from a national security standpoint, which is what I go back to, I said earlier. I always root for the President of the United States of America to be successful on issues of, of national defense and foreign policy when it deals to, with innocent lives. I do not want Joe Biden to fail, whether it's Afghanistan or Russia. But the reality of what's happening right now is, is that Russian ships, tanks, and troops are on the move to Ukraine. 
Now, there's this idea of peace talks that have stalled out. Let me explain to you how this works. There's been negotiations, okay, that have been underway that America has been, you know, involved in and begging that they'll work. Negotiations have turned to what they refer to now as a deadlock. Moscow went through these negotiations knowing they would be unsuccessful just so they could keep moving forward with their buildup of their military forces for an invasion. At this point, I don't even think it's an issue of is it going to happen? It's a question of now when is it going to happen? And they're playing the people in Ukraine. They're playing the American government. They're they're, they're playing uh, any of the allies involved with Ukraine. Russia understands that they can keep extending the deadline with and, and act like in good faith they're trying to have negotiations and they say they're in a deadlock and then they can invade because this is what they want. They want time to do what they want to do. Now, there are volunteer members of Ukraine's Territorial Defense Forces, the country's military reserve. They're training in Kiev right now. Russia knows they can kill them and take them out whenever they want to. Russia has sent more than 4,000, has, has actually sent troops more than 4,000 miles to Ukraine's border and announced sweeping naval drills as Moscow is expanding its preparations for a attack on Ukraine as negotiations, quote, appear at a deadlock. Now, again, Russia's very smart in the international community to start checking boxes. Hey, we negotiated and it didn't work. What are they negotiating on is the question that any world power, including America, should be screaming about right now. They're not what they're, they're negotiating not to invade another country. That's not really a negotiation, is it? You want to know what the media is not telling you about? Six Russian landing ships capable of carrying main battle tanks, troops and other military vehicles traveled through the channel en route to the Mediterranean last week in a deployment that could bolster an amphibious landing, an attack on Ukraine's southern coast if Vladimir Putin orders the attack. When you're sending Russian troops more than 4,000 miles to Ukraine, don't tell me that you're acting in good faith in negotiations. And the world should have been showing this in real time, but they're not. There should be international outrage right now. But there's not because no one's talking about this. Ukraine's military intelligence has claimed that Russia is hiring mercenaries and supplying its proxy forces in their country. In their country. They're saying that they are already supplying the proxy forces in different regional areas with fuel tanks and self-propelled artillery in preparation for a, tem- a potential upsurge in fighting. I'm going to tell you more about that in just a moment. Again, where's the international outrage and where is this news that I'm telling you about right now? Why is it that the media is not talking about this in America? Because they know it's going to make Joe Biden look bad. And that's no reason not to cover this. Russian large military forces, including short-range ballistic missiles, elite troop groups, and anti-aircraft batteries have arrived in Belarus from Russia's eastern military district. As one top commander put it, it's an extraordinary deployment that Western officials and analysts could 
say could enable Moscow to threaten Kiev, Ukraine's capital, instantly. The new deployments, quote, have worried U.S. officials, you think? Quote, what concerns us is the total picture, said a senior State Department official in a briefing last week. It is the amassing of more than 100,000 troops along Ukraine's border, combined with moving forces into Belarus over the weekend. These numbers are beyond, of course, what we would expect with regard to a normal exercise. The new forces in Belarus, the officials added, represent an increased capacity for Russia to launch this attack, increased opportunity, increased avenues, increased routes that they can take. So what is the president of the United States of America, the United States President Joe Biden doing? Last week he said that that Putin himself may not know what he plans to do, but the results are either reckless brinksmanship or preparations for a large-scale military operation. I'm going to let you guess which one is probably right. I'm going to guess most of you that have a brain know that this is not reckless brinksmanship by Vladimir Putin. This is preparations for a large-scale military operation. It gradually dawned on Putin that if he stays on the track of stable and predictable, as Biden indicated, he's the designated loser, said Pavel Baev, a research professor at the Peace Institute at the Brookings Institute. Something needed to be done. He went for this escalation quite sharply. Why? Because he wants Ukraine. Diplomatic efforts last week were inconclusive. Well, that's on purpose. The Russian foreign minister called talks with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, quote, frank and substantive. I I can't say whether we are on the right track or not on the right track. We'll understand that when we receive an American response on paper to all items of our proposal, Russia said to reporters in Geneva. So let's fast forward now to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. This is the guy that's been fighting with the Russians, and this is what he had to say today. It's 127,000 Russian Mm. troops now near the border. How much power, in all honesty, does the U.S. really have to stop Russia? We've given Russia two paths. There's a path of diplomacy and dialogue, one that I engaged in with Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, just last week in, uh, in Geneva. But there's also a path of uh, its renewed aggression and massive consequences that we have been building now for many weeks. And it's not just us uh, that's saying it. Uh, the G7, the world's leading democratic economies, have been clear about that. The European Union has been clear about that. NATO has been clear about that. And as we're doing that, we provided more defensive assistance, uh, military assistance uh, to Ukraine uh, last year than at any time uh, in the past. Uh, I just uh, authorized myself the provision of uh, American origin uh, military equipment that's with uh, third countries, uh, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, uh, to get to Ukraine. And we are in intense, uh, regular, constant uh, communication, uh, consultation with allies and partners to make it very clear that these massive consequences will follow. So basically, at this point, Donna, the the choice is Vladimir Putin's. And the the paths are clear. Diplomacy, dialogue, uh, seeing if we can uh, uh, build collective security in a way that uh, is good for everyone is clearly the preferable path, but we're prepared either way. Uh, again, the part here where it's very hard to even keep a straight face is where he said there's going to be massive consequences. None of the consequences that he just referenced or referred to deal with our military being involved. So the consequences are not massive. 
And Vladimir Putin understands that we're not going to get a coalition together to stop him. He gets to do what he wants to do. Now, afterwards, we'll slap his wrist. That's it. You think Vladimir Putin's concerned over what was just said by Blinken, which were stronger words than even than been spoken by the president of the United States of America, Joe Biden, at this point. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, here's the main question. If you think that Vladimir Putin is scared of America right now, you're wrong. Do any of you really think that Putin is scared of the words that have been said by the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, which were stronger words than were said by Joe Biden at this point? In fact, the last words that have been spoken by Joe Biden was Joe Biden when he was at a event talking about computer chips. And at the end of this event about computer chips, the last public words that he has said about Russia, this is what President Joe Biden had to say. God bless you all and may God protect our troops. And by the way, the reason we're not going to have any time for questions now is these guys got to get quickly on a plane and go out and do a major announcement in Ohio. And you guys will ask me all about Russia and not about anything having to do with chips. You guys will ask me about Russia? Most leaders would be chomping at the bit to answer questions about an invasion of a country that's an ally of ours. Most leaders would be chomping at the bit to answer any questions and warning Russia that they better not think about doing this because there will be hell to pay. So what does hell to pay look like? Well, it certainly doesn't mean militarily. What it does mean is we're going to put sanctions on them, which Russia doesn't care about. Now, the left is talking about this issue, but they're talking about this issue from a, quote, Cold War perspective. They're basically saying at this point, Let Russia do what Russia wants to do and look the other way and we'll throw some sanctions on them because you really don't want to get into another war, much less a cold war with Russia. This is what happens when you have weak leadership. And if you think that Russia is the only one that's going to take advantage of this moment, this opportunity, while America is weaker than it's been in my entire lifetime, you're wrong. China's looking at this too. China's looking at Taiwan the same way that Russia's looking at Ukraine. Countries and terrorists in the Middle East are looking at places that they want to screw with or want to take over or want to attack the same way that Russia's looking at Ukraine. Who's going to stop us? You know, there's, there's a simple thing in life that I have learned. 
and you can apply it to foreign policy and you can apply it to your own life, and that is this. Bad guys only understand one thing, and that is this. Strength. Bad guy commits crime. It takes a good guy to stop the bad guy committing the crime. Bad guy with a gun is only stopped by a good guy with a gun. When you're dealing with people like Vladimir Putin, there is only one thing they understand, and that is strength. Something that Ronald Reagan and, uh, understood better than I would argue anybody. It's the same thing, by the way, that Donald Trump understood. You don't let these guys screw with you on any little thing because they're just testing to see if they can screw with you on the big thing. You have an opportunity to take a terrorist on a tarmac in Iraq, and you take that dude out who's been a terrorist for Iran, which is what he did. And then people said, oh, that's, you know, he's gone insane, and he's going to take us into World War III. Remember all that? Remember every time that Donald Trump hit a terrorist, what did the left say? He's going to take us into war. Now we actually have a real war on our hands. And what are we doing? We're not taking questions about it because we'd rather talk about computer chips. That is the message that Russia saw from Joe Biden on his last comments publicly about Russia. I'm not going to take questions from you guys in the media because all you're going to want to talk about is Russia. And I want us to talk about chips. How bad is this? Take a listen to this conversation on Fox about it. Committee is raising concerns that we are in a new Cold War with Russia. And Texas Congressman Michael McCall says the Biden administration's weakness is not helping. Here's what he said. Rather than threatening after an invasion takes place, we ought to be providing deterrence before an invasion takes place. That's my biggest criticism of the administration. Do you think we are in a new Cold War with Russia? I do. I do because I think Putin again smells weakness here. General Jack Keene is a Fox News senior strategic analyst, chairman at the Institute for the Study of War and former vice chief of staff of the Army. Great to have you, sir. I just want to play for you to set the scene. Here's what the White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said this weekend. What we have laid out uh, is a very clear message to the Russians that if they do further invade Ukraine, there will be severe economic consequences uh, and a price to pay. And yes, of course. By, by the way, Jake Sullivan, OK, who's the main guy. <laughs> talking on behalf of the Biden administration right now. You, you're hearing his voice. If there is further incursion into Ukraine, there will be consequences. Why are there not consequences right now for being in Ukraine, for amassing troops, for, for supplying people within Ukraine with a potential war and setting things up and threatening that country? Why are we not immediately responding with sanctions so that they back off the border and they don't even think about doing this? This is how weak the president is. And Jake Sullivan just described it perfectly there. Of course, uh, if it turns out that uh, Russia is pummeling uh, Ukraine with cyber attacks, and if that continues over the period ahead, uh, we will work with our allies on the appropriate response. And then the what is the re appropriate response is the question I want them to answer. Right, uh, seriously, what is what is the quote appropriate response? Tell me, I want to know. Explain to me what you believe the appropriate response is to cyber attacks and military buildup. Jake Sullivan, your top guy who's going to work on national security issues. In other words, you're not going to do anything preemptively. Everything you're going to do going to be doing is after the fact, after they invade, after they kill innocent people, after they kill 
The citizens of Ukraine, they're just trying to protect their borders, who really aren't even military-type people. They're volunteers trying to defend their homeland. That's when we're going to respond, but not on the front end? This is when, when you have an incapacitated leader, an incompetent leader who is incapacitated in Joe Biden, you get stupid comments like this. Just because the media is not covering this to protect Joe Biden doesn't mean that you shouldn't be talking about it with your family and your friends. You have a world power right now that is not being stopped by a world superpower, which is us, and they're going to kill a lot of innocent people. All of this audio that I just played, please grab our podcast and share it. Subscribe to our podcast. It's all here for you to share because... The media should be reporting on this, and they're not. They're overlooking it on purpose. They're literally turning their backs to these people in Ukraine that are about to be slaughtered. And they're doing it because they know that Joe Biden's approval rating is so low right now that he can't, they can't afford to tell you the truth about what's happening. they got to downplay it a little bit. And the fact that we have national security advisors that aren't demanding sanctions now Accountability now for the actions of Russians, of the Russians, is disgusting. Make sure you download our podcast, share our podcast, subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it. Boy Meets World House! Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.